You're listening to the Job Interview Podcast. I'm Kristen Diane, your host, career coach, and content creator for all things small business, human resources, and recruiting. For more information on this episode, you can check out the show notes associated with this podcast or head over to thebossysauce.com. Welcome to the show. Let's go ahead and get started. I put together an infographic this week on the six ways to improve your resume. And my intention was to make it one of my bite-sized pieces on my blog. And and it occurred to me that it would actually be a really valuable piece to put in the podcast. And so I decided to just whip out my mic and, you know, record a, an episode for you. So the um, this isn't intended to be everything that you need to do to make your best resume. It's really just six things that I have been coming up to and coming up against um, a lot recently with helping people edit their resumes. I've been working with an organization, volunteering some of my time called Hire Black. And um, a lot of the women in this organization are, you know, looking for their first real career job. And I'll be interviewing Niani, who is the founder of Hire Black, uh, for my next podcast episode. So you're going to want to keep an ear out for that one. But anyways, uh, I digress for a sec. The six ways to improve your resume infographic, uh, you can find it on the website. I'm going to go through it now. And uh, number one would be unnecessary decoration. So what I mean by this is having things on your resume that really don't add the value that you think they do. Um, For an example of that would be you're an engineer and you have a GitHub. You have a GitHub account. You know the engineer should have a GitHub. So you put your GitHub link on your resume. But your GitHub is not active or it's completely password protected. So in that instance, what you're doing is uh, on the flip side, when the recruiter or the HR manager is going through candidates with a hiring manager and that engineering leader is looking through candidates, what they're doing is they're going, ooh, there's a GitHub. I don't really need to look through all of their resume. I want to see their work because I want to see how they code. That is more valuable than anything else on their resume. They click on it. They immediately get deflated. And now we're going back to your resume, but we're now going back to your resume on a negative note. So it's an immediate detractor and it's it, it put you off on a negative thought from the very get-go. So unnecessary decoration, if it doesn't add value, don't put it on just because you think it needs to be there. If you, you know, take something like that off, like a website that you haven't, you know, had any updates on for a while, you can add it back on later. If you uh, have a website that's completely password protected, maybe put a small reason as to why you have it password protected so that people understand or completely remove it. Um, If you're a designer, you probably should have 
the website on there and then give a little bit of a reason if it's completely password protected. But honestly, you really should just give the password if you really can. Um, when it comes to the recruiter and the hiring manager, we are under, under really strict rules and laws uh, about making sure that we protect that information. And so um, we understand that there are, uh, are legal obligations that you have with that information. But if we're looking to hire you <clears throat> from as a designer, we can't really go forward with with hiring you without seeing your creative work. So that's a that's my other piece. I just want to throw in there. Okay, number two, I I had this listed as positive thoughts only, and this is kind of ties into number one a little bit with unnecessary decoration. What it what I wanted to put here was something that it's just a really basic concept, and I want you with everything that you add to your resume to ask yourself this. Do does this cause any risk to the anybody reviewing it to have any negative thoughts? So again, going to that GitHub link, if you if you put that on there, you know what is what is the risk possibility for negativity? So anything that you're adding, if you're getting creative or if you want to do something different on your resume, just ask yourself. What's the risk factor for any negativity? Because what you're trying to do is cause the highest possibility for positive thoughts. And I know that seems like a really rudimentary and simplistic concept, but I think that we really sometimes, it's kind of like when we're adults, we, you know, like children have these, say these brilliant things sometimes. And when we're adults, we get clouded by all these other things. Sometimes we need to take it back to the rudimentary and really evaluate it like that. So I think it's really valuable. Just everything on your resume, what's the risk factor for negativity? And will this cause positive thoughts? Number three, lengthy. So this perhaps is the one that is the hardest one for people to get past. And I, it's funny, no matter how many times people are told that your resume should not be lengthy, it is innately in people to want to give information because they know, they feel like it's the... They can't get on the phone. They can't tell you everything. They feel like they've done all these things. And how can I get all of my resume or all of my experience on this one or two pages? And the the truth is you're not. You're just flat out, you're not. And writing a resume is a completely different skill than getting the job or doing the job rather. And so is interviewing. They're all different skills. And they're skills that need to be developed in tandem or, you know, differently than actually doing the job. And so you, you're, you're now learning to market yourself really when it comes to your resume. And so nobody's going to read every piece of your resume. Nobody's even going to read every bullet under every job. So you want to focus on really honing in on the core pieces that are really important to your position. I would say keep those bullets to, you really don't want to include more than like never, I mean, on your most current job should have the most bullets. And I mean, really a juicy one would be like 10 and like, but you know, if you're going five jobs like down the list it's okay to have like only two bullets on that job. Um, and 
the only exception to somebody having more than two pages is if you are an academic or a researcher with a lot of publications and then still, oh man, and and I really, really mean this when I say you guys are the only real exception. So everybody else listening, don't think that you fall in this bucket. <laughs> um, you guys maybe could get away with like three to five pages. Number four, I would say the GPA pitfall. This one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I can't... I can't count how many times I have been in a post-interview debrief where the whole team is getting together talking about the candidate or I'm looking at resumes with, uh, you know, a hiring manager and they immediately go whoosh, like right over and fixate on that GPA. And it's such a silly thing to fixate on, but everybody has a different idea of what they feel like a good GPA is. Some people feel like anything higher than a, you know, lower than a 3.8 shouldn't be listed. Some people, you know, who have a 3.2, but they went to a night school and they're a parent and they worked full time, like that would be impressive to me. I went to community college and worked full time and I think I had like a 3.4 or something. And I was really proud of that. But I've sat in so many rooms where people have uh, gawked at GPAs and I've had to, you know, tell them to simmer down. And so um, my my stance on it is just don't have it. And I know you, you folks out there with a good old 3.9, 3.8, you know, 4.0ers, you're gonna want to keep it on. And so my, I would say the only exception to that would be if you are under two, maybe three years of experience in the work field after college, you can get away with having your GPA, maybe if it's like a 3.9 or 4.0, that's it. Once you're getting past two or three years of, exp- of work experience, you need to have it completely off. It's just a distractor, even if it's a 4.0. Okay, so number five, missing essentials. If you are a designer or a writer, you need to have your portfolio or website. I know I touched on this a little bit with another bullet, but uh, really what this means is we, we want to see the essential pieces. I am actually really surprised. I've I've recruited for creatives for a really long time and every creative director I've ever worked with has always said that they never want to see a resume without a portfolio on it. And it still blows my mind that that people will go to school for design and come out of it and not have their portfolio on their resume. So this is really, really, really important. The other thing, I'm going to reiterate it again, passwords for the portfolio. It's just a roadblock. It needs to be on there. I know there are some difficulties around that, but unfortunately, by not including it, you're causing um, a, a block on yourself because we we won't go seek it out. There's we for every job, 
it's not like we're going to see your resume and see, even if you've worked at somebody, a place like Google, honestly, there's somebody who's worked at Google who's applied, who included their resume and I mean their portfolio. And so uh, at the end of the day, we're not going to reach out and email you and ask for your portfolio. It's, it's not very common for us to do that unless we truly are not getting good traction on the job. Um, so you just need to go ahead and include it. And then the last piece I think that is my favorite one to talk about would be human connection. This one is one that I think it's kind of in this newer age of resumes, um, maybe in the last like 10 years or so, where people at the bottom of their resume will include uh, hobbies or interests or something more personal about themselves. I love this and I think that everybody needs to do this. But I also want to delve into this a little bit further. I've seen on a couple resumes just where people list like interests, uh, yoga, travel, and uh, gardening, you know. And so that's cool and that helped a little bit, but it still didn't really give me anything about you. I still don't, not piecing it together in some sentence with some experience or something, it really didn't paint a picture. You just gave me a few words. What I, what I think was better is to give those and then to give some kind of sentence around it so that I have a picture painted. So an example of this would be, and this is the example I use on the website. This is not my personal example. Uh, my hobbies and interests include macrame, pickling, yoga, and traveling. My most recent international trip was to Iceland where I saw the Aurora Borealis for the first time. That is paints a picture. It actually makes you a human. And it, you know what it also does? If somebody else had that experience or that dream to have that experience, you just opened up a potential for for a conversation in an interview that makes it a little bit more um, icebreaker. Yeah, it's an icebreaker. So, I mean, don't just list a couple things. Make it more connected a little bit more. Paint a picture around that. Thank you for listening today. I hope you gained some valuable insights from today's episode of The Job Interview. I'm looking forward to bringing you more interviews and content. For more information on The Job Interview podcast and my other podcast series on meaningful stories that affect women, that life and work, please visit thebossysauce.com.